But I say to you that, listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get. This is the word of the Lord. Our early mothers and fathers decided when they were fixing the canon, that is, the books that would be in the Christian Bible and those that would be left out, they decided to include four different gospel accounts, and they called them the gospel according to Matthew, according to Mark, according to Luke, according to John. Believing that you needed all four of them, to help you form the best picture we can have of our Lord Jesus, what he was sent to do, and what God accomplished through him. Matthew, writing to Jews, trying to convince them that Jesus was greater than Moses, said, One day, when he had gone up on the mountain, he taught the multitude, saying, And Matthew wrote 111 verses in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. Luke, writing to Gentiles, like you and me, said, Jesus went on to the plain and taught them, saying. And he writes 29 verses, not 111. About a fourth of what Matthew includes in his gospel. Luke leaves out those long parts of Matthew's sermon that begin, You have heard it said by men of old, but I say to you, because the Gentiles had not heard it said by the men of old. Matthew said, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Luke says, Blessed are the poor. Matthew says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Luke says, Blessed are they who hunger. Matthew says, be perfect the way your Father in heaven is perfect. And Luke says, "Uh uh-oh, the Gentiles aren't going to get that. For Jews, that was no problem. Do it the way God does it. Okay. But Gentiles had now been influenced by Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. Plato had written, we live in a three-storied universe. Below us, damp, dark, and abyss. On the plane where we live, all the different experiences we have and that we can finally catalog. Only above us, perfection. On our earth, we do the best we can. And humans are supposed to make things better and better and better, but only up there in the third story does one experience perfection. So Luke says, my Gentiles aren't going to get that. And he changed the word. Let's take a look at today's passage. 
First of all, that word translated in the New Revised Standard Version is merciful. Be merciful the way your God is merciful. Dr. Fred Craddock said, I like better the word kind. Be kind the way God is kind. Dr. Luke Timothy Johnson at Princeton has written, I think it's better be compassionate the way your God is compassionate. Coming from the Latin cum, meaning with, the word for suffering. We speak of the passion of our Lord, his suffering that last week of his life. So to be compassionate means in today's parlance to feel the pain of another as God feels your pain. Dr. John Matani is a professor in the School of Primatology, University of Michigan. The last 17 years he has gone every year to Uganda and spent long amounts of time observing chimpanzees, the way Jane Goodall did for many years. But he began in 1995 and has now done this for the last 17 years. And he, like she, gave names to this big group he was following, 160 of them at its biggest point. He had names for all of them. He could see personality differences in these chimpanzees, these primates who have 98% the same DNA that you and I have. He said what amazed him was starting to see two of the males who did not share a common mother or father seemed to be friends. If one found something good to eat, he would make this sort of shrieking noise for the other to come quickly, and he would actually share. If one killed, he would shriek for the other, and he would come, and he would offer him food to eat. If they had an enemy who suddenly appeared, these two would literally put back to back, one head the back of the other. And then one day, one died. And the other withdrew to the very periphery of the group. He didn't get completely away, but he lived for more than a month with no interchange with the others whatsoever. And Dr. Matani says, primates begin to differentiate even more from each other about 30 million years ago. And chimpanzees were one part. Baboons would be another part. Homo sapiens would become another but way back there somewhere we had a common gene that helped some understand it's better when you get along. It's better when you help. It's better when you grieve something you've lost. It's okay to celebrate when that one is close, be helpful when that one is close, and grieve when that one is is no longer close. And Dr. John Matani used words that would be very familiar to us. I discovered that one was willing to put himself out for the well-being of the other. Number two, love your enemies. This word love 
is not the Greek word eros, meaning physical attraction. One falls in love with a beautiful girl or a handsome guy. This is not the word philios we have in Philadelphia, being friends with somebody who likes what you like. No, this is the imperative form of the verb form of agape. It's agapate. It means love them. Not a feeling, because there are so many unlikable people in the world, but a decision of the mind. It's the same word Jesus used the night in John's gospel where he washed the feet of the disciples. This I command you, agapate, do love. You do love. Whether you like them or not, you do what's right. And he continued, and these words are identical in Matthew and Luke. They both have these exactly the same. Love your enemy. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, maybe a simple example would be road rage. We set it up in this city. We had a city engineer come and talk to our neighborhood a few years ago when they had decided to change the intersection at 91st and Yale. Now, traffic there was a mess, to be sure. And the city engineer said traffic would move so much better if we fix that intersection so that you now have five lanes. Three of them will continue straight through. One can turn left, one can turn right. The only problem was they didn't have the money yet to widen the rest of the street. And so what happens at rush hour every morning is I come out of our neighborhood and turn on to Yale and head north, and I get to 91st Street. There's a left-hand lane, there's a right-hand lane, and there are three lanes going straight ahead, and they've got 200 yards to narrow 30 cars into one lane. You should see what happens. It's amazing what happens. Uh, I was not on the front row a few days ago, and I saw two take off ahead of me. There was a four-door sedan on the inside lane, the pole position, and the third lane out, you had a truck. I mean, a big pickup, oversized tires. And the one in the middle lane didn't seem to be in any particular hurry. But on either side, you could see that little puff of black smoke come out the tailpipes. And the two of them were going. And when they finished 200 yards, they were side by side. And I saw the sedan veer to the left. I saw the truck go straight ahead, but had gone just enough to the right that he lost it for just a moment, went across the opposite lane, and back again before he got it straightened up. And this feeds into a very definite curve going on up the hill. It was amazing nobody else was coming. What do they tell you about road rage? If somebody thinks you've insulted them or taken advantage, never make eye contact if they pull up beside you. Do not roll down your window. Do not make an obscene gesture. And above all, never pull over to the side of the road. Because what you're doing is ratcheting up another notch 
another notch. And some people get stabbed and some people get shot. And what Jesus is saying is, my followers are supposed to take the heat out of situations like that. Love your enemy. Be kind and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who make obscene gestures at you and say bad, bad words to you. Number three, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Dr. Luke Timothy Johnson says, treat others the way you want to be treated. Again, this is an active imperative verb. This is a command. You don't have to like them. Just do to them the way you want them to do to you. I've told you about my Jewish Christian dialogue group. It's one of my favorite things I I get to do. I've been in this one group for more than 25 years now. Almost 30 we're coming up on. And through the 30-year period, some have been transferred out of the city, like Dr. Hank Knight. Uh, Others have died or retired. Dr. Bill Wiseman retired and then died later. Uh, But some of us have been there almost 30 years, meeting late one afternoon a month, uh, September through May, year after year. One of the persons who's been there all these years is a lay person, a Jewish woman. And I've told you about her. In one of our very first meetings, we were asked, why do you think you might be willing to participate in a group like this? And she said, well, I've had Gentile neighbors all my life, and I've had a number of them try to be kind by saying, I learned a lot about God from reading the Old Testament. And she means, of course, from looking at 2,000 years of your history. But I've never had one say, what have you learned about God the last 2,000 years? You have to be careful what you commit to. I said, tell me what you've learned about God the last 2,000 years. And it led Gail and me to Maidanic and Auschwitz and Birkenau and Robinsbrück and Sachsenhausen and Buchenwald and Flossenburg and Dachau. And I learned. We learned what they've learned about God. It'll change the way you pray and how you pray. It will. Not long ago, at Passover time in the spring, the Jews, of course, have ways they deal with Passover. And we Christians, of course, since Jesus was in Jerusalem for Passover, have our Holy Week and our Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, all in the same week. And so we were discussing how the two faith communities do this. And even in Christendom, of course, we do things quite differently. Uh, the Greek Orthodox, Father Bill Christ, is a very important member of our group, and, and uh, they have a different calendar from ours, so their Easter never falls the uh, same as ours. But we were talking about what, what color stoles do you wear and what kind of music do you sing and, and how is this celebrated. And so this Jewish laywoman, you know, it just sort of sat there while we clergy are talking about all these things that were important to us And finally, somebody said, what do you think? You need to listen when she talks because she says important things. She said, I don't care what color your stole is. 
I don't care what you sing. I don't care how many times you stand up and sit down or kneel. I care about how your kids treat my kids at school on Monday morning. Boom. That's what I care about. How do your kids treat my kids at school on Monday morning? You do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Some years ago, Gail and I were down up the street at uh, what's now the Hyatt Regency Hotel. We were there for a national, international gathering of Christians and Jews trying to get to know each other better. And one of the speakers, uh, one of our favorites, was Rabbi Yitzhak Greenberg from New York. And so uh, three or four years ago when we read that he was speaking at University of Tulsa one night, um, we went to hear him speak again. Now, this is a very conservative Jewish rabbi. He's not reformed rabbi uh, of the reformed tradition like our friend Rabbi Charles Sherman. And in his presentation at the University of Tulsa that night, he told a little bit more of his personal history. He was born in 1933 in this country when Adolf Hitler was coming to power in Germany. And he grew up in a Jewish neighborhood in New York. He went to Jewish schools. Uh, He shopped with his family in Jewish stores in the neighborhood. He said, I didn't really know any Christians. I didn't want to know any Christians. All I knew about Christians was that they had been a part of pogroms that destroyed our villages, took our homes for centuries, and finally culminated in the Holocaust that killed six and a half million of us I didn't want to know anything about Christians. I knew them. I thought I knew them, he said. As a young rabbi, one day I took my place behind Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. on the road to Selma, Alabama. I'd never seen police holding huge German shepherd dogs that were lunging at all of us who were about to walk down that road and across that bridge. I'd never seen that kind of hatred in the eyes of the people who lined the road screaming hateful, hateful threats at all of us. And when Dr. King said a prayer and said, it's time to go, I can tell you I was trembling in my shoes. When suddenly I felt someone's arm make with mine and somebody's arm linked with mine, and suddenly I was linked to a Catholic priest on one side and another Catholic priest on the other. And God said, take Christians seriously. It's what you do, you see. You do unto others the way you want them to do to you. And then this wonderful sermon ends... God wants to do really good things for you. You remember how the prophets railed against those who cheated you? Who said when you brought wheat to sell, they measured it in a big, big bushel it took to make one. And if you needed to buy wheat, that bushel was so small that they were selling you. Guess what? If you follow Jesus Christ... You can come with your robe held out in front of you like this. 
and they're going to pour that basket full. Shake it to be sure. Pat it down to be sure. And pour some more on till it spills over into your lap. Our translation says a good measure. Dr. Luke Timothy Johnson said, it's a fine measure. A fine measure. Shaken down, patted down, spilling over, dumped into your lap. This is the God who wants good to come to you and to every other child of his. Phyllis Hobe has written that years ago she was a senior in college, about to realize the great dream of her mother and father that they would have a daughter, a college graduate. They were working folks in New Jersey, just across the river from Manhattan. So she said, I was a senior. I was an intern in a major company in Manhattan, taking my last senior classes, but commuting by bus in and out of Manhattan every morning and night to sleep at my mother and father's house. One night, she said, when the days were short in winter, I got on my bus, we got halfway through the Lincoln Tunnel, and suddenly all traffic stopped. And a bus driver announced after a few moments, there has been a major power outage. All of Manhattan and part of New Jersey have no electric power. Now she said this was before the day when most everybody had a cell phone. We just sat there in the dark. And the bus driver said, everybody be patient. They will finally dispatch enough police to get the traffic moving again, even without traffic lights. She said, we sat there what seemed to be forever. And then traffic started to move. And when we got to the other side of the tunnel, surely enough, there were officers there motioning the traffic. But still, there was not a light, except what you could see on vehicles, headlights. We came to my bus stop. Bus driver pulled over. As I started down the steps, he said, you be careful out there. It's awfully dark. She said, thank you. And he drove away, and she said, it was dark. It was really dark. And I had several blocks to walk. When suddenly, a flashlight came on. My heart raced until... The voice called my name, Phyllis. It wasn't my dad. I ran toward him. He grabbed me into his arms and squeezed me. And only then did I realize how frightened I must have been. I started to sob into his shoulder and said, Dad, how did you know when the bus would finally come? And he said, I didn't. I was going to wait all night if it took it for you to come home. <laughs> 